This is a Soul Fire production. Are you ready to enhance your sexual, erotic, and relational intelligence? Welcome to Higher Sex, where we take sex education to the next level. Come here to get curious about sex and cultivate acceptance, deep love, and intimacy. No topic is too hot to handle. As a psychotherapist and sexologist, Kelly playfully leads listeners through worlds of informative and actionable sex education, personal stories from her inspirational guests, and leading edge research from trusted experts. Higher sex is scandalous and explorative, leaving you wanting more. Let's keep this conversation going. Subscribe today so you don't miss out on these hot new episodes each week. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another juicy episode of Higher Sex. I'm thrilled to introduce Carlisle Jensen to the show. She is the founder of Good For Her, a sexuality store and workshop center located in Toronto, Ontario. She has been leading sexuality workshops, helping individuals discover their authentic pleasure, and supporting couples and deepening their relationships since 1995. She is now also a qualified psychotherapist focused on sex and intimacy. She is also the author of Sex Yourself and Anal Sex Basics, and you can connect with Carlisle through the goodforher.com website. I think you're going to get a lot out of today's show. Carlisle talks about her journey into the world of sex education and then moving into therapy and sex therapy. She also talks openly about her inability to climax when she became sexually active and how she managed to work through that and how it led her to a career where she just wants other people to experience as much pleasure as they want to. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Carlisle. I am very honored to have you on the show. I love everything that you stand for and that you are such a host and bring people together to learn and explore sexuality. So welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to be here, and I'm always excited when people are, you know, interested in what we're doing and how we're doing it. Yeah, and, you know, a message that you always put out into the world is you are so passionate about helping people reach their sexual potential, right? And so can you tell me how you, and you do that in so many different ways right now, like you have the store, you host a community of events with a lot of workshops being offered, you put on workshops, you do coaching, talks, educational forums, and then also now you're into therapy. So can you Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got started in that? Oh my, well, a lot of people assume that it started out you know, that I knew everything, but um, far from it. You know, I grew up in a home where sex didn't exist and we didn't talk about it. I saw my mom kiss my dad once on the cheek. And of course, we didn't have the internet back then. So all of my sex info came from TV. There was a show called The Love Boat that I used to love, (laughs) where they talked about relationships and, you know, they were always magically fixed by the end of the uh, the cruise and, you know, movies and all of that. But, you know, I didn't feel comfortable in my body. I didn't fit the stereotypical female form. You know, I wasn't a girly girl. And so it was all very confusing to me. And so I just avoided it all and focused on sports. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so Sue Johansson. Something that you felt confident in, right? Like it was a natural ability, part of a community, accepted. Yeah. And I could just be myself and I didn't have to address relationships and sex. And and I would, I would date, then I'd sort of freak out as soon as anything went anywhere. And then I'd run away and then I'd find somebody else and date them. And Sue Johansson was a pioneer around talking about sex. And she, before she made it big, your younger listeners won't know who she is, but she used to have a radio show. And, and then a TV show. But before she made it big, she was a nurse who went around to schools and she came to my school in grade 10 and talked to us about sex. And I looked around, I was like, what? People are having sex? Like I just, wow. I you know, didn't even dawn on me. So and this is pre-Sunday night sex show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 This was, you know, she was just going to schools because her daughter's friend had been pregnant and needed help with an abortion. And she said, I'll help you find these resources. They must be out there and realized they weren't and then realized how little information there was. So she was going around to high schools and I told my mom about it. And she said, well, don't get any ideas about taking your clothes off. I said, no, I'm not going to take my clothes off. (laughs) And I didn't until I was 21. And I was dating someone. Finally, I thought, you know, I can't avoid this for the rest of my life. And I was dating someone I was pretty comfortable with and thought, okay, I'm ready to take the plunge. And here we were getting naked and I freaked out and I said, oh my God, I've never seen a penis before. I'm terrified of your penis. Oh gosh. Well, yeah, especially if you've never seen one before. So he was actually very sweet. He gave me a little guided tour and showed me all the little different sensitive parts on his penis and where it felt good and where it was more sensitive. And that like, sounds okay. really healthy. That sounds nice. Yeah. It was. And this was what? This was the 90s, right? And we were both in our early 20s. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we can make friends, me and his penis. And Um, I had no clue what I was doing and we were having sex and there was like this build and this build and I'm thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know. And after quite some time, he stopped and he said, tell me what you like. And I looked at him and I said, aren't you supposed to know that? Oh, wow. (laughs) He said, you know, it would be helpful if you knew something about your own body and your own pleasure. And it had never occurred to me before that point to pleasure myself, wow. not even once. So I took it as advice and I was like, okay. So I started pleasuring myself and I was having sex with him. And, you know, after two years, I was looking for the big O and I never found it. So I finally gave up and I just decided that some people are tall and some are short and some are good at math and others are better at art and some can orgasm and some can't and that's the way life goes. Oh wow. So you moved into an acceptance phase after two years of being sexually active that you weren't going to orgasm. Yeah. And I decided it's not a big deal. And you know, you don't know that you miss chocolate cake if you've never had it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, it was not a big deal. And when I'd have a new partner, I said, you know, just so you know, I don't orgasm. Okay. We can get on with things. But in my late 20s, I got dumped because of my inability to orgasm. What was the context around that? Did they feel, uh, did your partner feel that like their ego was being bruised or what was the context around that? Yeah, he was, yeah, he said he just couldn't handle the stress of being with a partner who couldn't orgasm. Oh, wow. Okay. Too much pressure for him. Too much pressure. Um, So I was like, wow, this is really a big deal. But you didn't know, right? So I went to one of my good friends who, you know, had done all kinds of wild and crazy things in the 60s and was still, you know, kind of out there. So I thought, okay, here's a good person to talk to. And so I just said, like, look, I need to figure out how to have an orgasm because now it's getting in the way. And so she suggested that I get myself a back massager. And I did. And lo and behold, a couple weeks later, it kind of worked on my clitoris, not on my back. (laughs) (laughs) 
the distinction there. there yep. And um, so I had my first orgasm and I thought, okay, now I know what's going on and now I know what folks are talking about. And I decided, you know, I really don't know much about this sex thing then. So I decided, well, you know, it's time for me to learn. So I was taking workshops and I was reading books and I was watching VHS videos as we had back then, trying to learn what I could about this activity that, you know, seemed interesting to me and I enjoyed it, but I needed to know more. So after like a year and a half or two years, I guess I'd accumulated a fair bit of knowledge and my sister invited me to her bridal shower with all of her friends. And I thought, well, I'm going to a bridal shower, so I guess I should bring some sex toys. Like I thought that was what you brought to a bridal shower. But of course, my sister's friends were a little bit more conservative and oh, they wow. had salad bowls and boxes. <laughs> so my sister unwraps these gifts and there's all these sex toys. And her friends asked all these questions like, oh my God, what is that thing? And where do you stick it? And what does it do? And I just explained to them very matter of fact. And they said, you're so comfortable talking about sex. You should teach workshops. And I thought, well, that sounds like fun. And I had just finished school and I was thinking like, oh, okay. I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, but this could right. be kind of fun. So my first workshop was with my sister and her friends. And you just like gave it a whirl to see how you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah. And thought, you know, let's see what the feedback is. And if yeah. people tend to learn anything, do I actually know anything? I don't know. And people really liked it and said, we want more workshops and we want a comfortable place to shop. So I was like, oh, wow. And at the time, so it was really tricky. Like, how do I market myself? Right. Because this was pre-internet. So I was um, putting ads in the local Now magazine. I was going to women's networking meetings and handing out my flyers. And so trying to, you know, make contacts, but not everybody, you know, wants to talk about sex. And, you know, where do I hold a workshop? Well, I decided to do them at the YMCA because who's going to attend a workshop on sex? And especially with somebody named Carlisle. Like, is that really a woman? <laughs> and is this going to be some, <laughs> Where are you taking me? Yeah. some pervert, right? Who's using a workshop as an excuse, but actually is going to, you know, whatever, assault me or do something. So, so I did it at the YMCA. I thought that was a place. Unity where, Center. Yeah. You know, that if something went wrong, they could yell or scream or leave or whatever. Right. And so. So, so you really thought about people's safety and comfort right from sure. the start. That was always really important because it was important to me. So I was doing workshops there and eventually with a lot of requests for a comfortable place place to shop and more workshops, I thought, you know, and it was really hard marketing. And I thought, okay, the store is going to be a vehicle to market the education. That's just the way it's going to be. So education was always a priority. And we started out with workshops and I started out doing most of them, but kind of grew them to other people who would approach me and say, hey, I want to teach a workshop. I talked to them a little bit. I said, great, let's try it. So we had workshops, you know, not everybody felt comfortable coming to a workshop. So they might leave with a book or a video. And it was also one way for people to kind of get their feet wet. You know, they could come in, check out the space. Okay, this doesn't look too creepy. This doesn't look too scary. Maybe I'll try a workshop. And then they'd sign up for five more. I just loved it because once I got a taste of it, right? And it wasn't as intimidating because it sounds like they would come into the store, the space, get a feel for it, try a workshop, and then start to really crave and want more of this information. Well, you know, people are often, they question like, what am I going to really learn in two hours? You know, and I always say, you don't know what you don't know. And people realize 
wow, there's all of this that I didn't even know the question to ask. And I got all these answers. There must be more. And it wasn't full of creepy people. It was people just like me. And we didn't have to take our clothes off. We didn't have to share anything we didn't want to share. So people sort of realized, oh, we could have been talking about cooking or financial management. We were just a group of people sitting talking about sex as a topic. But it wasn't really that scary. And hey, I want to learn more. I want to bring my partner to learn more. So that was really the beginning. And it was really important to me to make a storefront that was welcoming. So we're in what looks like a house. And we used to, pre-COVID, offer you tea when you walked in the door. And that's partly because we recognize that for some people, it takes a lot of courage just to walk through the door. So we want to just like make it welcoming and like, hey, you're in our home almost, but you know, have a cup of tea, have a seat to read a book if you'd like, and then wanted to make sure that people could pick up the toys and feel them. How soft is it? How big is it? How strong is the vibration? You know, just to kind of get a sense of it, which is so much better than looking at it in a package or looking at it online. Right. Because you can feel it in your hands, the weight of it, the texture, the material, all of that, right? And then start asking questions to inform your buying decision versus just maybe guessing, right? For sure. And it's it's something that, you know, like if I'm going to buy a dishwasher, I don't know the first thing about dishwashers, but you know, it's not a big deal. I can say, tell me what's the difference between this dishwasher and that? Like, why would I want this one? What's a, what's a good brand? You know, so we can offer that kind of information and often we'll like give a tour so that people don't feel like they have have to ask questions or just, you know, sort of narrow down their choices based on whether they're orgasmic or not, or what kind of thing they're looking for, how they want to use it. So we try and provide a space that feels welcoming, that feels okay. You know, we have people who come in with their young kids and they don't, there's nothing there that feels out of place. (laughs) Yeah customer who comes in with his kid and he's like, yep, we're just here to buy soap. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, what I love about it is that people feel like they can bring their kids in because we don't have giant penises. We don't have naked bodies, you know, on display. It doesn't really look that intimidating. And most of the sex toys don't look anatomical now anyways. Right. So just trying to create that welcoming space. We, we actually used to have a little bin of toys for kids so that if you brought a young kid in and of course kids love new toys right doesn't matter how exciting what it is is, it's new they'll sit and they'll play with it so that the parent could actually focus on something but it just became too complicated but we're we were always trying to find ways to make people feel comfortable and welcome yeah it Um, sounds like a more of like a sexual wellness community right where it wasn't hmm. just about one part of sexuality it was like all encompassing where it's like sex positive welcoming non-threatening health oriented and then explorative and where you can provide that educational piece as well. Yeah. And we we also are one of the few sex shops that will sell things like menstrual products that are alternatives that you can't find everywhere because that's a part of sexuality. We, you know, are always looking to have locally produced things like, you know, zines or books or crafts that celebrate sexuality. I love that. Um, 
people making stickers or patches or buttons. So trying to kind of expand the realm of sexuality. And then one of the other decisions that we made was to have women and trans only hours. So we have this on Sundays for two hours, which is kind of a slow time. And we know that there are some women or trans people who will feel more comfortable in what we call a gender safe space. And this isn't to say that the men or cisgendered men who walk into the store are not safe. I've met amazing men, lots of great people through the store. And I think it does take actually a fair bit of confidence and courage for somebody male identified to walk into a store called Good For Her. But for some people, even the presence of somebody male in the space can feel challenging for them based on their history, their experiences with male presenting people, whether around sex or around non-sexual, but you know, what feels creepy to them. So even some customers have said to me, like, why do you have women in trans only hours? And then a male presenting person walks in and they're like, and they're quiet. I feel that. And then when that person leaves, they're like, okay, now I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we just offer that as a service for people who feel like that's a choice that they want to make. We don't have a lot of customers who will take us up on that, but, um, and it's not really a smart business move because we do turn away some male identified cisgendered men at the time or some heterosexual couples, but I feel strongly about it. And so- continue doing it. Well, again, it goes in alignment with your with your core values, which is creating a community-oriented safe place where people can feel comfortable to explore. And sometimes you need to tailor the approach, especially for certain populations who maybe feel less safe, right? So I think I think that's wonderful. Anyway, so the, those are some of the decisions that we made. And, and, and so, you know, we now have, we offer education through if people walk in and they want to purchase something or they ask questions about the G-spot or whatever, you know, we can point them to workshops if they want to look more in depth. We have some recorded videos now and um, we used to have DVDs, but nobody buys DVDs anymore. So we have some- VHSs are out. Now the DVDs are out. I know. So we have links to educational content. We're just happy to be a hub and a resource. And fortunately, you know, the the store supports the offering of the workshops because you can't, it, it won't sustain the workshops in and of themselves, but the store helps to sustain that. So that that feels good. And it, and it sounds like it's complimentary as well anyways, right? If someone comes in for a product or if someone's coming in for a workshop, but then they already feel like you're a reputable place and trustworthy where then they can then seamlessly go in and shop around a bit too. So that's, I love that, that it yeah. is a hub. I love that, that it's a hub. We try to be, you know, and we even got a cute note the other day from somebody who placed an order and who is now trans identified and said that they went to the school across the street for many years and that it was a safe space for them to come. And, you know, we get kids from the school, not very often, but they come in and buy like one or two condoms. Hilarious. <laughs> or sometimes they'd come and look at the books, which I totally support. You don't have to buy something, you know, yeah. if they don't have access to the cash and said, you know, this has always been a great place for me to feel comfortable with who I am. And I'm glad you're still around. And that was, you know, that's what makes our day, you mm. know? For all of us as staff to have somebody say that we made a difference in their sexual life, in their um, acceptance of themselves, of their uh, self-exploration, you know, we get a lot of people who write to us and it just is like, okay, this is why we're doing it. This is what makes it so rewarding. Yeah, especially with like the ebbs and the flows of like being an entrepreneur too, right? It's like holding on to those moments and all the people that you've impacted in their lives. Because I could even attest when I was younger, how I became so comfortable with sexual 
sexuality is finding mentors and people in places mm-hmm. and safe places that just felt comfortable talking about it just so openly and matter-of-factly. It's another part of your health, like dental health, mm-hmm. mental health, like all these different places. And so if I didn't have places like that to really have frank conversations where I didn't feel like, oh, what you're talking about is wrong or dirty or mm-hmm. you're being rude or, you know, the list goes on, right? Just by bringing mm-hmm. up the word sex or having a question. So I love that you had that space, especially across from maybe a school where people could start to poke around and just open their minds to being more curious about some things. Yeah. And the, the kids from the school don't really come in. And I think it's partly because it's not as exciting as they're hoping it's going to be. <laughs> we don't have naked imagery. We don't have things that look realistic very much. It's not that exciting. And so they come in if they're interested, but it's not as thrilling as I think they're hoping it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good too, though, right? Yeah, for sure. So then, so then you open up this place in 1997, right? You were able to host in-person workshops there. Now you're offering online ones too, which is great because then people can access them from wherever. And you bring in different experts or different people mm. who can offer things that maybe are there areas of specialization uh, as opposed to yours, but then you started offering sex coaching as well to individuals or partners. So can you tell me how you grew into that space then after Mm -hmm. you've launched this brick and mortar hub and online hub and you're growing into more tailored coaching for people. So where did those requests come from? I mean, they came basically from people who are at workshops and they would say, you know, I want to come and talk to you more about orgasms or I need to come with you with my husband or my wife because we need to talk about some of these things. And so, you know, most of my sessions were one-offs or just a few. It was often very practical. So challenges with orgasm, inabilities to maintain an erection or ejaculate, sometimes questions about ejaculation for people with vulvas, differences in desire, low libido, techniques on bringing more pleasure to themselves and or a partner, how to keep it spicy. You know, those were the things that I was working with. And, you know, I really enjoyed that. And I, I did have lots of therapists who would recommend people to come and see me for a couple sessions just to get a bit of a brush up. Because not everybody's comfortable also going to a workshop. With other a, people around. That's right. I had a lot of people who either they had a public persona or they were shy or they wanted to have a more private experience. So I was seeing them, but then I, you know, I'd get couples coming to me and we'd start talking about the sex and then they're arguing about who's doing the dishes or, you know, that you were, you know, flirting with that person when we were out. And and then I was a bit like, okay, I'm out of my element here. (laughs) I don't know how to deal with this. This isn't about techniques anymore, right? Or even helping people to get comfortable just within their own sexuality. This, this was branching into other territory. And so I would be referring out to other people. And sometimes too, I started hitting these walls because as I've now learned that sometimes say a low libido, you know, it's not necessarily just learning, you know, that your libido might be responsive rather than spontaneous and that you need to kind of warm up first. It also might be something like, you know, the way your partner approaches you reminds you of a previous time or you feel like you're doing it wrong or you're too, you have shame about your body, whatever it is. And I just felt like, I don't know how to deal with this, you know? Right. Uh, It felt out of scope for you, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. And just saying like, go home and try it didn't work, right? 
Right. And as Peggy Kleinplatz talks about um, sex worth having, you know, and so many people were having sex that wasn't worth having. Right. Yeah. Um, Or even, and didn't even know how to talk about that though. Right. Yeah. So uh, I decided finally, well, part for a couple reasons. One is retail is really hard. It's really hard to keep a store open and it's really hard, all the different aspects of it. And I was close to closing it on many occasions. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't keep doing this like this. You know, and every year I'd see my accountant, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not making any money. And I was about to turn 50 and I was like, okay, I need a plan B. I can't, I can't do this forever. And so I decided, okay, you know, that the easiest, most natural next step is to do sex therapy. Yeah. Like do all of those other pieces. So I looked into schools and sent in my applications and lo and behold, they accepted me. Of course they did. (laughs) Of course they did. And I just also love that it even helps with the continuity of support that you're offering people already. Cause I'm hearing that sometimes you would have to refer out, but maybe they already built this relationship with you and it it felt very healing and helpful. And so that would be another disruption or maybe even people would feel like another thing I have to deal with or do. So that sounds like it is very like such a good compliment to what you're already doing. Yeah. It allowed me to deepen what I'm doing um, with my, with my clients and yeah, it allowed me to see them for one thing and then we could sort of diverge into something else. And I did have several people come back to me and said, okay, well, we've dealt with that sex thing, but we now have this other thing. Yeah. But we (laughs) feel comfortable with you and you know us. Yeah. So yeah, I went back to school and got my degree and then I, I really enjoyed emotionally focused therapy. So I've done a lot of work around that. And that is so helpful. I find around sex and around some of the challenges that we feel. So that's what I'm sort of focusing on now. I'm like part-time running a store and part-time working as a sex therapist. Wow. That's exciting. It's great. You know, and, and it's lovely to know that you can teach an old dog new tricks. Um, <laughs> no idea if I was going to, you know, could I still write a paper, even though I'd written two books, I knew that I could write. Well, exactly. I was going to say you're an author. Yeah. But was I able to write a research paper that made any sense? Was I going to be able to keep up? Was I going to be able to remember things? <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyways, fortunately it worked. And it worked I, out. And but, then how are you finding balancing it? And then I, I'd love to hear more about how you integrate it more like when you, new clients, this, this would be more for new clients. Do you assess if maybe sex coaching would be more appropriate for them or is it really more holistic and integrated? I mean, most of what I do now is more therapeutic. Okay. It, it's more of therapy with what I bring is- Like psychosexual of, education piece. Yeah. Most of the people that I see mostly it's therapeutic and we're doing sort of counseling and then I can bring in, okay, so this is what I know about orgasm. This is what I know about libido, you know? So I feel like I didn't have to learn all of that other part, which has been helpful. And I know about toys that can enhance things. So it means that sometimes people come to me for just the coaching. And what I find is that it really quickly is not enough. 
but people don't know that yeah. either, right? And it's interesting because I find, you know, it's, I, I work as a sex therapist too, where I'm preparing for maternity leave right now and I'm referring oh, no. some, yeah, I'm like eight months right now. <laughs> it oh, really fabulous. creeps up on you fast. But I find that as I'm referring some people out, other people are like, oh, well, that's sex related. I'm like, it's actually not. They might come in with the presenting challenge or complaint. And sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong with sexual dysfunctions and whatnot. However, as you're saying, look, it's just multifaceted and there's so many nuances, layers and intricacies that are all relational as well, right? Whereas like people don't always understand that when they hear sex therapy. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges in communication, in feeling understood, and that it's all tied in together, you know, and I love how the cycles with EFT, you know, that, you know, one partner might feel disconnected, right? And they want sex or they want to spend time together. Or they just want to open up or they want to know what's going on for the partner. And the other one hears that as a criticism or a demand, or they're just not interested in sex. And then the other one hears that as rejection right. and feels more hurt, more alone. You and don't want me. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be around sex but the similar or different cycles can be around, you know, we don't have quality time anymore, or you don't open up to me about what's going on, or, you know, around the kids and our parenting styles. Right, right. And then how that again, bleeds into other areas, right? Sure. So if you are building up resentment or frustration, you're not yeah. feeling validated, appreciated, or feeling disconnected, that is going to influence the way you're able to connect with your sexuality and absolutely. especially in the context of your relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And I love that you have your finger on the pulse of like all these other avenues that you can leverage to support the clients that you're working with in terms of like resources, educational materials and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So do you also um, suggest workshops for clients if you feel like that's like relevant for them? Because I would be curious to know what are your popular workshops or like the ones that just, you know, ha typically have a good turnout and then mm -hmm. keep coming back to your, your hub as well. Well, our most popular workshop has always been giving great head. So uh, tell me about that. Do partners show up for that? Or is it like friends show up for that? Or it's a mix? Sometimes for a lot of, it's usually female identified people. For a lot of those people, it's about feeling confident. Yep. And you know, a penis is a really big thing to put in your mouth. And how do I do this? How do I not gag? How do I enjoy this? Right. You know, partner likes it. I don't like it. My jaw is sore. So, you know, it's a three hour workshop and people are like, how? In three hours. I was just going to say, workshop. tell me what, <laughs> tell me in one minute, what do you talk about <laughs> in three hours there? So a lot of it is approach. A lot of it is talking about the things that we do that aren't necessarily effective. Part of it is anatomy because we don't really understand the erogenous zones. And then we do a lot on techniques so that, you know, if you only have one technique, that you do or even two or three that gets boring yeah plus it can be tiring so we've got like i don't know how many 25 techniques that you can do not all of them are super intense but there's something to do a way to tease a way to build up because the whole premise of the workshop is that if you as the giver enjoy yourself more mm -hmm. Your partner's going to enjoy themselves more mm -hmm. and you're going to want to do it more often. Because it's fun. So um, uh, Lorraine, um, who also works for me, she's the one who teaches it and she's so great and people love her and she makes it fun and she talks, tells stories about, you know. Oh, I love that. Experiences. So, so that's our most popular. And sometimes, you know, 
a lot of us struggle with sexual self-esteem. A lot of us are not sure if we're doing it right, if our partner actually enjoys having sex with us, you know, and there's so much of that internalized work that we have to do about validating ourselves and sometimes working through what people have said in the past or even the way somebody looked at us and we interpreted it as I must have done a bad job or, you know, they broke up with us and it must be because we were lousy lovers. So there's an aspect of that absolutely has to be dealt with. But sometimes I certainly found for myself, knowing what I was doing gave me so much more confidence in approaching a partner and feeling like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. You might not like everything that I'm trying on you, but I'm not going to feel horrible if this one thing doesn't work because I've got 15 other things I can try. And anything that we do, right, whether it is public speaking, riding a bike, mm-hmm. or doing a sport, doing, you know, something at work in front of your colleagues, all of these things, we're so much more relaxed and confident when we feel like we know what we're doing. Yes, of course. And I love that it's even maybe just a refresher, right? Because maybe something yeah. that came easy to you at the beginning, so it's hot and heavy or passionate, or even you knew what you liked them. But if you're with someone for a long time, it could get stale on both ends, right? Where it's like, oh, I really used to like that technique, but you keep doing and I don't want to tell you like I don't like it anymore right like who knows so if you can like come out with trying novel or new things and just start exploring all over again well and the great thing is is that there are some great techniques that even you know we always say like explore your own body and tell your partner what you like but there are so many techniques that we have in our workshops that people who have that body don't even know about and they're like oh my god what are you doing so it's so much fun that's a great feeling that came out um, of nowhere yeah um, but also we get we get repeat customers who come back and they're like I took this course 10 years ago it was great I need a refresher right which is fabulous so that's our most popular workshop. I bet it's re-energizing because, you know, if you go to a yeah. workshop or you learn a new type of therapy or you go to a work conference, you come home with all of this fresh inspiration and ideas too. So it does, it yeah. takes some of the pressure off of you to just feel like you have to like muster it up all the time out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like this is a great form and opportunity to energize and reinvigorate even your own interest and curiosity in it. So I love that. Yeah, it's a great way to, and I still take workshops, right? Yeah. I take them from other facilitators because I don't know everything. And, what? and I it thought is- you you know and I always say that workshops for cisgendered men we we don't get so well attended so I always say you know the fact that you're here means that you're an amazing lover Mm. because I, I think there's a lot more barriers for cisgendered men to attend workshops I think that just like I did with my first partner we expect that men are supposed to know how to do things. And if they don't know how to do something or they ask for guidance, it means they're a lousy lover. I think that's what people assume. Like put that, attach that meeting to it, right? When yeah. it's not true. Yeah. Yep. So I like to say the fact that you're at a workshop means that you're an amazing lover and that anyone who says that they know everything is going to be not a very good lover because nobody knows everything about everybody, then you're not going to be actually listening. So other workshop, the other workshop that's really popular is orgasms. Mm. So, and I've split it off into two. One is learning to orgasm for people who are not orgasmic any which way. And the other one is bigger, better, multiple orgasms for people who do, but want to orgasm in a different way. Like for example, during intercourse or want to orgasm to be stronger or last longer or be able to have multiple 
multiple orgasms. So that one's also very popular. And I, I really enjoy that workshop. I'm the one who teaches both of those. So those are the two most popular ones. But, you know, we have ones on shame. We have ones on other kinds of techniques like kissing or kink. We have... Do you have um, kink for beginners too? Yeah. yeah. You know, the pandemic has been a little bit tricky. <laughs> Our workshops are online, which in some ways makes it easier, but it's it's a little tricky to do a kink workshop when you can't touch and feel things. Right. Right. So part of the experience. We have one that we used to uh, run called the Reluctant Dominatrix, which is so great because there's so many women or femme identifying people who've been asked by their partner to dominate them. And they're like, how do I do this? I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> beat the crap out of my partner. And so much of it is realizing that that's not necessarily the only route. And what are the messages that we've gotten about being women that don't fit that mold or that have a stereotype about what that looks like? So we have workshops on kink. One of the more recent ones that we have is discovering erotic blueprint, which is what um, Jaya has sort of developed. And a lot of people have found that to be really great. great. We've done some things around conscious sexuality. So you have a ton of offerings and they keep evolving too. Yeah. We're always, you know, I'm open to people saying, Hey, I know a lot about this topic and you don't have to have written a book. You don't have to be a therapist. You don't, you know, have to have qualifications. Do you know about this technique? Right. And you can help people and to discuss discover and learn and create that safe space for people to be open to receiving the knowledge that you have to share. I've actually found like several of our facilitators are people who previously worked at the store. And I have found actually that, you know, I've sometimes had people who are coming from out of town, teach workshops, you know, they've written a book or they've done a video. I actually find our local people are often much better because it's a different skill than writing a book. It's entertainment. And And getting the, and getting like the vibe or the energy in the room to a certain place where people can actually, you Mm -hmm. know, start to feel comfortable and excited about what they're learning about. Yeah. So anyways, it's still a passion of mine. Yeah, of course. Really excited. And, you know, I'm open to trying just about anything, you know, some things we've tried and I really didn't think they were going to go anywhere. Like the reluctant dominatrix. I was like, who's going to sign up for that? Sold out. Sold out. Clearly, <laughs> I was not, I was, didn't have my pulse, my hand on the pulse of that one. That but one. you know, other ones like sexual fantasies and role playing, I thought were going to be huge. Right. No, I would have thought that too. Who knows? Who knows? But you just kind of put it out there, see what sticks and what people are interested in. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. Can you tell me a little bit about if you could give advice to people who are maybe a bit timid or want to explore things, but don't know how to kind of dip their toe in the water? Where can people start? Like what are some non-threatening ways that maybe people can start to open up the dialogue or reach out to you or the store or the hub or the workshops? Like where do you feel like good starting points are for people that you've witnessed? You know, when we're open, just coming in and being in the space and normalizing sex and the whole environment around sex, I think is helpful. You know, we have this idea of this, unfortunately, this very Judeo-Christian Adam and Eve scenario of that, 
you know, sex is just natural. And if we're in love, it's going to work and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to be off to the sunset and everything's fabulous. And that works for like 0.5% of the people out there. Right. That, right. Yes. And the most common question that I get actually um, is, am I normal? So Am I normal if I orgasm this way? Am I normal if I don't orgasm this way? If uh, this turns me on, if this doesn't turn me on, if I like this kind of sex, if I don't like this kind of sex, if I have fantasies about this or I don't, if my penis works this way or doesn't work this way. So I find that even just being in the store for a lot of people helps to normalize that people are buying products for sex because it doesn't have to be this pristine, natural thing that, you know, we use technology in all aspects of our lives. You know, we either get in cars or on bikes. We don't harvest our own food. (laughs) You know, we use smartphones to communicate with people. So there's a lot of our world that we use tools. And when it comes to sex, there are tools also, and there's nothing wrong with those. And they can certainly help when there are challenges, such as if you don't orgasm and you have a clitoris, it might be you need a little more power. If you have a penis and you have a hard time maintaining erection, maybe a cock ring will help. Or maybe something like the hot octopus, which is a great toy that I love because it works on a penis, whether you have an erection or not, and you can use with a partner. Just seeing also the diversity of of bodies and interests and pleasures. It just helps to kind of normalize that, okay, there's other people maybe like me, there's not one kind of sex. So I find that's a a good starting place. Alternatively, you know, there are some good overall sex books, like The Guide to Getting It On is great. I love that one. And and they even just came up with a newer edition. It's all good. So, you know, it's a good book for like a whole overview of sex. And then if you're looking for specific, like I want to try butt play or I want to try kink, you know, you can read up there about it. Very often I'm turning people towards erotica because, you know, when we're talking to our partners and like, what do you enjoy or what's a fantasy? This was me. My first lover said, like, what are you? I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I like going for bike rides. What? Yeah. <laughs> I like the wind <laughs> what are you in my talking hair. About? Yeah. I even went on your website because you even had a book where it was, because uh, I find sometimes when I, I suggest erotica to clients, they're like, oh, I don't want to get through a big, huge novel to get these yes. like snippets. But you yeah. have some good resources on your website too, where there are like short stories of erotica yeah. too. Like there's yeah. such a, a, a vast, like a huge variety out there these days. And I love that you've like hand selected a few different options for people. Yeah. I find that the short stories are great because you don't have to invest in a lot of time and you can figure out, okay, I love like this about this fantasy, you know, you can share it with your partner and say, well, I, I kind of, you know, this works for me, but I don't like this other part there, but this part is what turns me on. And then in this other story, this piece turns me on. And I really love it as a forum for piquing your curiosity yeah. and some ideas around sexual adventure in ways that I find visual porn doesn't often do. So visual porn, I find is not very creative in general. Right. And is not very diverse in terms of colors and shapes and ages and sizes of bodies. And so a lot of 
women in particular compare themselves, you know, am I skinny as, am my breasts as big as, and people with penises will be like, well, my penis doesn't look that big or it doesn't last that long or whatever, right? right? So the beauty of written erotica is that you can make up who's in it. You use your imagination and it can be anyone. It can be yourself. So I really like that. And having said that, we do also have a link on our website to um, Pink and White, which is, and Pink Label TV, which is a company out of San Francisco. And they started making porn in the early 2000s. And when we started the Feminist Porn Awards, we brought them here and featured them. But they've since now started offering other people's films as well. So if you are looking for porn that has different bodies, different shapes, different Different colors, you can find them on that platform. And also you can feel good about it because all of the people featured in the films are paid a fair wage, are given choice about what they want to do, about what safer sex practices they want to be involved in. Uh, If there are some kinds of sex that they don't want to have or people they don't want to have sex with. So you can feel good about the porn that you're watching. And so uh, we have a link from our site to them and some of our top picks because a lot of people don't know where to look. Well, and that's just it. It's overwhelming and it's oversaturated too. And so going to those free ones and then being, you know, being told like, look here, look here, look here. And then a lot of it makes people uncomfortable. So I love that you have a link in. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes for people to access. So it's ethical based porn where you, Mm -hmm. you, people are being paid and you know that it's all safe and consensual and it's feeling good all around. Yeah. You can use it as a way of turning yourself on. You can use it a bit as expanding your repertoire or how do people do it, or it can be entertainment, you know, and, and some of them, like they have some great stories. I have some favorites that, you know, I still think of fondly. They have some humor in them. Oh, that's good. Um, You know, so it's, it's, it's nice. The production value is mixed, but some of them are really, really well done and very professionally edited. And so anyways, I think that's another good place to start or a work shop or a book on a particular skill, right? I want to, let's open our relationship. Okay, well, let's read opening up or go to a workshop, open relationships for the open-hearted. You know, I want to buy some butt play. Okay, let's get a book um, or let's attend a workshop. Um, I'm interested in learning more about my own body. Okay, you know, there's books on that. So, you know, those would be kind of places I would say to kind of start. And it sounds like the theme of these starting points, it's looking outside yourself. So using a tool of some sorts, whether it's a book, a video, a workshop. So the pressure again, is it all on you to just randomly figure it out? So it sparks your interest. It sparks your curiosity. It can start to light up a pathway of where you want to go next. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love, you know, the word you use curiosity. I'm just using that more and more myself also. And, you know, curiosity is the key. When we stop being curious, that's when things kind of go stale. It can feel so challenging to be like, I've been with my partner for 5, 20, 35 years. We've had sex, I don't know how many times. How can we be still curious, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know, but we're changing every, like all the time, daily we're changing, right? So it's like, if you feel like your partner maybe doesn't even know you fully, like it, right. it, it's the same on the other side, right? So mm-hmm. stay mm-hmm. curious. And even yeah. with yourself, because even if something feels good, like maybe it could feel better. So I love even your one workshop on how to enhance orgasm. You could be very, you know, you could reach orgasm every time you have, you know, sexual activity or sex or whatnot. But then if you want to enhance that or elevate that in some way, then you, there's still other resources to even take it to the next level. So I love that. And I think it really does come back to your mission of for people to reach their sexual potential because things can even be better than just 
good enough. Yeah. And, you know, I also, I guess, want to emphasize that there's many, many priorities we have in life. And for some, it's financial, right? Like I want to buy a bigger house or I want to save this much for retirement or, you know, I want to be able to afford this. For others, it's, you know, I want to run a marathon or I want to make sure that I'm in shape or I want to have a healthy lifestyle. And for others, it's, you know, I want to learn about so many things and I want to read books on this or, you know, whatever. There's so many different avenues for us to explore. And sex is one of them. And for some people, sex is really important to one or both partners, that this is an important part of our lives, that we need to put energy into this, we need to invest in this. Time and attention. And and for others, it's not that important, right? Like, And that's okay too. Exactly. So it's not that you're a better person if you explore sex or that you need to be a sexual rock star in order to have a full life. It's if this is of interest to you, if sex is something you enjoy, if connecting with yourself or a partner sexually brings you joy, brings you pleasure, makes you feel good about each other. You know, I certainly find for um, myself and most of my clients, when we have sex with each other, we like get along better for for Mm -hmm. like two or three days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for two or three days. Yeah. (laughs) We're not arguing about the dishes as much. You know, but if, you know, and and for some people doing the same thing all the time is great. And for others, it has to be different every time. Like whatever it is, you know, that this, if this is important to you, there are resources for you. If it's not important to you, then so be it. Now, it's probably not the kind of person listening to your podcast, but (laughs) but there's, you know, that I think there's this pressure that um, sex has to be, um, I mean, it's in everything, right? Yeah. It's in the movies. Well, it's setting people up for unrealistic expectations where it can, it just yeah. feels like such a big mountain to climb yeah. or I need to have sex like for hours and hours on an end and all of these like throws of passion and look a certain way. And it's, it doesn't yeah. need to be that way, but as long as it's enjoyable for you, pleasurable for you, and then you're not denying that part of yourself too, right? Right. Yeah, because I have had clients who, you know, they were in a sexless marriage or they just sort of lay there and did it or their partner was never into it. And then they, you know, either are widowed or divorced and they're like, okay, never again, you know, and or I've had other other clients who at age 50, 60, even 70s, sex was never important. They, you know, just decided nobody was going to be interested in me and I don't care about that part of my life. And somebody's all of a sudden interested in showing them things and and bringing out this like this like giggly teenager in them that's so adorable all of a sudden they're like wow this is exciting this is fun this is pleasurable and so they're discovering this other side of themselves which is really beautiful to watch like yeah i bet and you know you're even giving even by talking about that that maybe sex isn't your priority right now but don't be just don't put yourself in a box maybe at one phase in your life it could be or maybe it is right now and later on it won't be just that you are allowed to change and evolve as you go through life right yeah and certainly well you know you've got a big priority coming i don't know if you already have kids but you know i don't it's it's a whole different world right Mm -hmm. Um, you know uh if you're starting a career right you've got a lot of effort there if you're moving to a new place if you have parents that you're looking after like so many priorities so you know what's great is that we can explore and re-explore and there's there oddly enough there's always 
more interesting things to learn about yourself and or a partner. And part of that's, again, what I love about EFT um, is that there's a depth that, that can come. And then that, that intimacy, the sex with that intimacy makes it really exciting. Oh, I love that you're integrating sex therapy with emotionally focused therapy. I want to hear more about that. I feel like that could be another podcast episode, Carlisle. <laughs> I just did a course on it. It was brilliant. So I'm happy to pass on the info. Yeah, I would love but, that. Yeah, it was two EFT sex therapists out of New York who did an online training. It was excellent. Oh, good. Oh, Carla, I'm so grateful that you were able to come on the show. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom. I hope that everyone gets something from this episode, which I'm sure they will. And then your workshops and link to your website if anyone wants to work with you as a sex coach, sex therapist, or find your store or your online hub, as well as all the workshops that are available. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to talk about this and great to meet you. Yeah, finally, huh? Yeah, I know. And, um, you know, good luck on your next journey and, uh, and be well. Thank you. 